Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Filipino American Ministry Podcast. My name is Aaron, and I'm with my co-host Henrik. If you like this podcast, please subscribe. Yes, welcome everyone. So today we're going to be talking about why does the second generation leave their home churches? Um, so I think what we're talking about here is um, second generation is a term to describe people who are grew up in America and their parents just immigrated to America. And the question is, why do they leave their home church where they grew up? Um, I think uh, for a lot of Filipino Americans who are second generation, they grew up in church, Filipino church, Filipino American church, and then they end up leaving. So we're going to talk about that a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. Aaron, do you have any, um, I think we should start off with, uh, your story. So you actually yep. left our church um, a few years ago. Can you a few talk years about ago? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was a long time ago. Yeah, it was like uh, eight years ago. Yeah, yeah, that's a long time. It's so really how? Long. So can you tell us a story about how you left? Yeah, sure. Um, so um, I left. I think in two thousand twelve. Yeah, I joined in 2004, 2005, somewhere between those years and uh, been there as a youth and also a young adult. So I started the Young Adults Ministries there and uh, in 2012, um, I left. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I think you actually stayed until 2012. 14 or 13 13 probably yeah because we started in 2011 right yeah fall no, no. Of oh 10 oh 10 oh yeah yeah we followed you started fall 2010 with the young adults and then uh you left in 2013 so could you explain uh what did you do when you left or your thought process uh my thought process during the time yeah um yeah so um, I started the Yandals mainly because uh, a lot of my peers were leaving church at that time. I think uh, after they, when they go to college, they usually don't come back. And so um, for some reason, I started a Bible study. I can still remember, like it was me and like three girls, the first like Bible study. And eventually, you know, it grew into like four or five groups um, and you know it was going pretty well but I think at that time I felt like I needed some training I needed help so I decided to go seminary and also at that same time uh, somebody from California was calling me to help with a church plant and so after like three months of thinking about it decided to move to California Hmm. Yeah. So it was mainly um, a desire to get training and another opportunity in another location. Yeah, I thought, you know, I was thinking, I think at that time, I, I thought that um, the young adults would be able to stand on their own. I think I was wrong at that point. But at the same time, I also felt like I needed more training. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you mentioned that uh, you noticed some people were leaving the church, like around college age. Yeah. Um, I think that's a common story for Filipino American churches is um, students are part of the church until college and then they leave. So what kind of reasons were you able to see why people were leaving in around college age? Um. I think with our church in particular, uh, there w there isn't really. It seems like there is a there isn't really a a space or something for the young adults. Um, you know, they they finish high school or they finish being part of the youth group, and they get tired of just playing games or sort of more of like a 
attractional type of model and they're seeking for like you know i think something deeper at, at least or on the other hand nothing deeper is maybe holding them to stay at the church so either like they go to a different church if they're looking for something deep or they mm-hmm. stop going to church if nothing deep is holding them or keeping them at church like they have no reason to really stay right like I, I feel like they just stay there because that's where they they've been going to their whole lives that's where their parents go to but um you know it's not something that they would stay at if there's no other reason mm-hmm. yeah i think that's a good point um one uh i i remember one pastor telling me that um, the reason why the second generation leave um, is because they don't consider their parents' church their home church. Yeah. Um, and they see it as more like that's their parents' church. Um, so they don't really take... Uh, I think when they're in high school, they're not really thinking about it. Yeah. But when they're in uh, college, then they start thinking, uh, this church is not really meant for me. So then they, they leave. Um, I think, I think it's nice that you said, you mentioned two scenarios. One, they leave because they're, uh, there's nothing there that's deep for them. So they go to another church. And then one where it's, uh, yeah, because there's nothing there that's keeping them. Um, I think that's like a common story for why the next generation leaves in general is because they're not, really Christians in the, to begin with. So they don't really stay at the church or they don't see mm. a reason to stay. And then on the other side of the, in the, on the culture aspect, they don't stay because the culture is different from them. It's more of a Filipino culture rather than it being a Filipino American um, culture. And I can relate to that too, because um, <clears throat> in my story, when I was at my church, um, I was thinking of leaving in around college age. Uh, for that reason that you mentioned is because I wasn't really growing in my church. And um, I noticed in college when I met other Christians from other ministries, they were um, growing and they had a nicer, they had nicer churches where they were like growing. And I wanted to be in that church or I wanted to go to those churches instead of mine. Mm-hmm. So um, that there was that, t- that temptation or that temptation, but there was that desire to think, oh, maybe I should just go to another church. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, you said that some of them leave because they're not Christian to begin with. I'm, I'm not sure if I would go that far. I would probably just say that, like, um, there's no sort of a deeper discipleship. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, like, at least for uh for them um growing up you know yeah i'm uh and i don't know if it's i don't think like it's not that the parents uh, don't want their kids to grow they i think they do want their kids to grow but maybe it's just a lack of resource or um yeah i'm not i'm not so sure but I know just from personal experience that um, it seems like um, just there's just something lacking, I think, mm-hmm. with the discipleship aspect, at least, for young adults. Yeah, yeah. You know? I mean, I'm pretty sure there are other um, reasons why um, Filipino-Americans leave, right? Like cultural reasons. Um, a lot of them are um, are American in culture compared to their first-generation parents. Uh, but I think those could be bridged if there is like some deep discipleship and deep relationships, especially, especially that happen between... Uh, younger and and older right mm-hmm. like yeah inter- if, intergenerational yeah, intergenerational and intercultural too so like i think if like there is a guy there who's like a tito an uncle a tito who like uh would do a deeper discipleship and mentoring um 
I think that even that is enough to kind of bridge the gap. Yeah, yeah. I think, uh, yeah, that's a good point. Um, yeah, oh, yeah. And also, when when I mentioned that, I wasn't saying that uh, <laughs> they, they're not Christians, but um, I was referring to like those articles that say um, yeah. the younger generation leaves because they're not Christian to begin with. Um, but I think I see what you're saying is like, there's another point, there's another aspect of, uh, they leave because they're not, there's no program there that's second gen, um, that's there for the second gen. So I see what you're saying. Yeah. Maybe it's more of a lack of like, uh, figuring out how to incorporate the second generation in the church in ways that are more than just like, oh, here are our kids. Uh, let's make them sing songs or play worship songs. You know, mm-hmm. like uh, uh, m- more than that. You know. Mm-hmm. So you're all, you're already talking about some potential solutions for um, the second gen for why they leave. Yeah, but mm-hmm. anyways, what do you think? What are some of the reasons you're thinking? Yeah, um, I think, um, yeah, related to your story, I think uh, second gen is in general, like, uh, they're generally transient. I mean, they're in a transient stage of life. Like when they're in college, all opportunities are open. But when they're in high school, there's no really opportunity to leave. They, they, don't can't, they can't drive yet. So yeah. they're just going to stay with their church. That's all they knew or that's all they know. That's the, uh, that's where they grew up. But I think when you start learning how to drive and when you go, you're in college and you're thinking about your future career. And then also on top of that, you're thinking of who you're going to marry. Um, I think that's when people start to leave. Um, or that's when they, they see that as a possibility. Well, your story is kind of different too, because you actually lived in campus. Like, I, I never really left, you know, and I went to like a small college, so I stayed in the vicinity of the church. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so yours is a little bit different, so you could probably speak more about that. Yeah, well, I think what I'm referring to is like a lot of people in our church have left because um, they got married to someone else. Um, so that's one. Ex- I think that's a common one why people have left. And also another one is um, they moved to a different college. Like in my case, my college wasn't uh, very close to our church. So there were times when I was out of, I wasn't living at home. There were times when I was living on the campus. So if someone, if someone is doing college in a different state, then they're going to leave and then they go to another church. So I'm just pointing out at that um, transientness. Yeah, Um, yeah, yeah. And also in like in your case, you left because you had an opportunity. But I'm thinking of like titos and titas who, are trying to settle down. Um, oh, okay. They're gonna stay longer because they want they they don't want to keep moving their kids from their schools and the community that they have with their kids. So they're more likely to stay at the church because they have they're trying to settle down. But with like college age, um, they're not trying to settle down. They're trying to explore the world, and so I think that's that's one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they're like the transient stage of life and also like seeing the different kinds of opportunities there are in life. Uh, like in your case, you wanted to get trained. So you left. So it's not that you had a problem with the church. It's just the, um, your stage of life where you have that <laughs> well, opportunity. Yeah. I've had problems, but <laughs> I didn't leave. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess what I'm saying is like the problems there exist, they exist, but they were not yeah. strong enough for you yeah. to to leave yeah i i do think though the one of the biggest reasons is like cultural it, i didn't feel it enough maybe you could speak to this but for me i didn't really it didn't really affect me that much because i'm more of a 1.5 but i know for some probably like they're filipino but only like they just look filipino but not like inside i mean they eat filipino food but they're not really like filipino in culture yeah i think um in my case uh, because i'm second gen and i 
I'm not 1.5. Um, I think there's a level of, um, like my parents, I'm an only child. So my parents brought me to all the, um, events with first gen. So like if uh, Tita had a, a, a dinner, my parents would go there and then I would be forced to go. So my tolerance, I think was, uh, built for first gen. So even though I'm second gen, I developed the tolerance <laughs> for the first gen. Yeah. Um, but I think, yeah, what you're, what you said is really, um, I mean, that's really important, like culture, because I think when I was at our church, one of the reasons I stayed is because there are other second gen Filipino Americans there. Mm-hmm. So that sense of community, um, if I have that sense of community, then I'll, we, I'll be more likely to stay at the church if there are other yeah. second gens like me. But if it's just first gen, like what happened to me in 2015 when all my friends left, um, sorry, I dude. felt, sorry, <laughs> <laughs> right. but when you guys left, I felt alone. And so, um, yeah, there's first gens there. So yeah. the people that I gravitated to was the youth because they're second gen. So they're younger, but, um, yeah, their, their culture is like mine. The only difference is that I'm 10 years older than them. So I gravitated to the youth. <laughs> Dude, how do you do that? Like, whenever I go back to the youth, right, right, and I hang out with them a little bit, like, I can relate, but once they start talking about stuff, it's like, wait, this is so childish, or like, I can't relate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, well, they, they train me. So, like, they, they would they say you? slang. Yeah, they would say, I bet. And I'm like, what? What does that mean? <laughs> so, they would, like, they kind of told me, like, the cultural trend. So, I kind of understand gen z culture even though i'm not gen z um yeah yeah i think it's like i i kind of don't understand their slang sometimes but um they tell me they 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 over time they tell me and at the same time like they're gen z they're second gen but i still don't feel like they completely understand me at the same time Mm -hmm. so like you you're saying that i fit in i like how can i fit in that's actually i don't fit in completely and a lot of times they even hang out and do stuff and they don't include me so i even though they're second gen <laughs> you're the I don't, tito yeah you're the tito yeah so i like even Wait, though did they call gen, you tito now or still kuya they said they won't call me tito until i get a baby <laughs> uh. <laughs> so they call me kuya and then they call people who already have a baby, but they're younger than me. They call Tito. them Tito. Yeah. Wow. I don't know if that. I don't know if that's the rule though. For. I think so. Like at church, they call me Tito. Yeah. It's weird. Even the ones who are twenties. Uh, no, some of them call me Kuya. Oh okay. Yeah, you know it's kind of interesting though. Like even at our church, I notice. Like people get together, out the first gen would get together, they would do karaoke and they would like sing and stuff and the kids just like, they're there, the second gen, they're there, they go do their own thing. Yeah. You know? I th- yeah, oh. and that we, we would have our own room, like we would be in the living room, the adults would be in the uh, kitchen or the dining yeah. room. Yeah. I mean, we just get together to, when we eat, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. Anyways. Yeah. So I guess, yeah, to summer, just to summarize, um, what we've talked about so far, um, the transientness and then the, the cultural gap. Yeah. Um, yeah. Can you, what can you, I, I think we, I want to go more into the cultural differences. So can you like give some examples of culture? So we've already established culture is one big factor, but what is it exactly? Can you make it more explicit? What, how does the second gen and the first gen clash in terms of culture? Uh, I see. Um, I think this is probably speaking more with the second gen who do want to stay or like who want to help out. Like a clash happens because of the difference of culture. Uh, let's just say like with authority structure or like church governance or just, just power in general. Um, you know, they're more uh, American in the sense that it's more individualistic or they look more in 
in your not at your age right like filipinos would uh you would give respect to someone mainly based on their age right and our word our our use of words kind of show that right like you say tito or tita or kuya even to somebody who's just like one month older than you you'd be like kuya or something like that <laughs> you kind of give this um respect just because they're a little bit older than you but uh with uh second gen um respect is more of like um of like your skill or how capable you are I mean, obviously because they grew up in the filipino church they still say kuya or tito and they have an idea of what it's like to show respect right they can survive and they can adapt but uh i guess like that it does affect the way that they they view how um the church should be structured so like a, an example would be like a a youth leader right like Uh, because they're second gen um uh, a lot of times like the first generation would always look at them as just like youth even though they're like older now so it's kind of like hard for them even though they're capable maybe some of them don't ever become like deacons or something like that it's hard for mm -hmm. them to yeah. uh, be part of that uh, of that like uh church governance or something like that you know to make a bigger change um, yeah but somebody who's like maybe just like uh not uh someone who has not been that involved maybe at the church as long as that youth leader just because they're a tito and they have kids and, the, and they they are like part of that leadership already so i guess i'm just saying like it's harder for the second gen to uh have some form of influence through being part of the leadership besides just being like a youth leader yeah you know i can relate to that so that's kind of i think that's probably one aspect of a, a cultural gap um and i think wait, uh, wait, maybe, uh, yeah, before you ahead. move on can you like expand what you mean by respect because i think um i had this conversation with anate and she felt that the youth were disrespectful And then um, she was wondering, like, isn't respect, like, universal? Like, it doesn't matter what culture you are or what generation. Um, respect should be a value that's held. It doesn't matter what generation you are. And so she felt that the second gen doesn't, um, yeah, they don't show that respect. So could you define what you mean by respect? Yeah, so I think, uh, like, language, right, in Filipino language also, like, that respect is kind of built in in the way you respond, right? You have words like to respond to someone, you say, opo, mm -hmm. or like, sort of like a, a yes, but recognizing that person has more authority than you, or like, is ranked higher than you, or because they're older. So you say stuff like that. But, you know, in, in American language, You don't really have that. You just like say yes, you know. So uh, I think you see this kind of um, uh, the respect that Filipinos are talking about, even in the way uh, language is used, right? It's sort of built in the language, like in Filipino language, for example. Opo is like... It means yes in English, but it's deeper than just yes. You know, it's more of like a yes with a recognition that the person you're talking to ha deserves more respect because either they're most likely because they're older, right? Mm -hmm. Right. So, um, you know, you don't really say opo to somebody who's younger than you. Um, but, you know, in American language... There's no word for that. You can't really translate that. Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah. I guess like I guess you can say like yes, sir, but it still doesn't carry that kind of weight. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Um. Uh. So maybe like the f the second gen is being respectful, but just the way that it comes across linguistically, like verbally, doesn't sound like it. Hmm. Uh, Um, yeah but yeah can, can i add on to that yeah 
Yeah, I think um, with respect, I think the the idea of respect too is that like who's going to win the argument or not the argument, but who's going to win, who's going to have their way basically. So if there's like a, a tita and then there's a youth and then they say um, like the youth thinks we should do it this way and then the tita thinks we should do it that way, then by virtue of age, the um, the tita should win. Like she should have her way. If she thinks one way is better, her way is better than she should have her, her way. So there's mm-hmm. that sense of respect is like if if the the, the adult says uh, we can't do that, then um, and then the youth like kind of says why not or like answers back, um, then it's seen as disrespectful or like mm-hmm. a questioning of authority, and also yeah. because they're not automatically submitting. Um, yeah, it goes back to power, I think. Yeah, yeah. So I think that like that power like an authority that for that's as aspect of authority. Cause I think to add on to what you're saying is I think the younger generation, the way they term look at authority and submission is they're going to submit to someone who's, um, who's competent. Capable. Yeah. Yeah. Competent, capable and experienced. So you, you can't just, you can't just win their respect or win their, um, submission, so to speak, just because of your age. But mm-hmm. in a um, Filipino culture, just because you're older, you should be able to have that say on, you should have the authority there. And so I think that's where the disconnect happens. Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, the disconnect could happen even if both are being respectful. It's just that the way that they perceive the world around them and then the way that they express themselves is just cult- it's just like culturally different, you know, like what seems respectful for you it might not be the way that I, I'm trying to show respect. Yeah. So you're saying that it's, uh, yeah, I guess you're saying the cultural way of showing respect. And then you're also looking, talking about language, right? Like the, mm. the language they use. Yeah. The words. Yeah. I actually had a funny, you mentioned that there was a instance that happened in my church with the AV team. And I think, um, I was talking, I was trying to bridge the gap between the two. Uh, generations and the first generation they said um, they used a term like this person is going to oversee you and then uh, to the youth because like the youth were leading an AV the AV team <laughs> then yeah. the adult was saying I want uh, this person will oversee you so you should report to him so like that, that those phrase oversee and report and then um, the way that the adult meant it was this person is supposed to be your support or like supposed to help you if you need help but yeah. then the way that the uh, the youth interpreted it was, um, it, sound, it sounded like they don't the adult doesn't see them as trustworthy yeah. of of that task. Like, oh, so why do I need an overseer? Why do I need to report to this guy? Mm-hmm. Because is it? Are you? You're, it seems like you're like micromanaging me, or saying mm-hmm. that I'm not competent. So like that, yeah. just those phrases, like overseeing and reporting can cause like a different, like um, some tension or unnecessary hurt or unnecessary um, miscommunication. Yeah. yeah, I think uh, that's the problem is the miscommunication that happens because of the cultural and language gap. Yeah. Right. Yeah, definitely. And I think uh, just to add on to this idea, like for me, um, when I was leading the, the youth, I was leading the youth ministry around like by myself at 25 and uh, I was doing it for some time. And then I hear that um, I'm having overseers who are going to, I have, I'm going to have supervisors basically. And I think I was kind of offended when that (laughs) first happened because I was like, wait, I'm like 27 and why do I need uh, an overseer or like I'm 26. Why do I need um, someone, an adult to oversee what I'm doing? Yeah. It seems like you're questioning my competence. Like you're, mm-hmm. you're, you're, you don't trust me that I'm doing a good job. So, but then I think like what helped me like not be so offended by it was understanding why did the adults, um, do that in the first place. And uh, I've seen in the past, they, they do care about the second gen. So they don't yeah. want us to feel like we're neglected. So what mm-hmm. I think the way that I reconciled it in my mind was, 
I think the first generation was just trying to show me that they cared about the youth ministry. So they put those adults over me because they wanted to show that they didn't want to let me go like uh, rogue. They wanted to put someone on top. Um, so there's that like disconnect in or like misunderstanding. Um, but, but in addition to that, I think there's that bias in the adults that if you're a second gen, you need to be supervised. Um, so I, I think I want to, I kind of want to push back on that a little bit. Like, does that necessarily need to happen? Like, do, does the first generation really need to, like, I guess it goes back to your comment about how youth are looked at as youth, even though they're already like in their twenties, they're still looked like they're still looked at as if they were only a teenager. So I think I'm trying to understand, or like, could we like say something about, um, like that bias for adults or that, um, the tendency for adults to want to put someone over a second gen. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, it could be, it could be a cultural thing. I mean, it could be a power thing where, um, they need uh, maybe they're trying to figure out how to bridge the gap and having an overseer is what they think is the best step you know and i like kind of like what you said they put an overseer to to help like that's the intention yeah yeah so yeah that's just something that i thought of i was like wondering um do the adults need to maybe that's the because of their perspective of youth Mm-hmm. Maybe that's why they're putting an overseer. But there, yeah. they could also be the case that I think uh, in some some degree the, the the adults just wanted the youth ministry to be connected to them yeah. in some way. So they put an overseer so that I'm connected to them. Mm-hmm. But I think in summary, if I was to like think of the big picture here, I think the main reason that the second gen leave is really because the church is first generation in identity. And the second generation has, they have their own identity and it's just different. It's just not a place where they feel like they could belong. Now, again, I think our identity should be in Christ and that should be our primary identity. Um, But maybe, I'm I'm not sure, but maybe that difference in identity is enough for most of them to seek other churches that are, that they can feel more at home with. I've heard that, like, you know, second generation Asian kids, whether they're Korean or Filipinos or Chinese, uh, feel more at home with each other than mm-hmm. they do with their first generation. Yeah. Like, I don't yeah, know how, how true that is, but it seems like in parachurch ministry, it seems true. Yeah, definitely. That's that's my case exactly. Like, <laughs> in one sense, uh, when we were at our church, I felt at home because I'm Filipino. But then in another sense, I felt more like I could worship God more freely and I could, yeah, I just, my Christian life, my spiritual life was so much more fun and so much more, I was like growing so much more when I joined uh, the Korean campus ministry at my school. Um, now that school, and now that ministry is not, is not Korean. It's a mixture of Korean, Chinese, and I was the only Filipino there. But mm-hmm. to some degree, I felt more at home when I was there. Than I was at than I was at my home church, but I will say mm-hmm. this though that when you started the young adult ministry in 2010, I felt a sense of home or like a sense of belonging that was deeper than my sense of belonging at KCM. Oh, really? So yeah, it's it's it, it was a, it felt um, yeah that sense of belonging. <laughs> I don't know. It just yeah, it felt really I felt really at home when when it was us. I um, see. Man, so I remember some... that. I remember that time when you decided to like stay with the uh, because you were deciding between staying at the parachurch ministry or going to the young adults at our church. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's I a that's that a time. yeah that's a separate separate thing. But I don't think <laughs> it's cultural related. It was my my campus ministry was trying to encourage us to be involved in our home churches, but oh, at the same good. time they were also needing like people to lead so i had that like tension of should i serve in my campus ministry or should i help you with your when you're starting 
Yeah. Okay, so I think I think another thing I wanted to touch on was like hurt or like drama, because I think that's another reason why people leave. Um, do you have anything to say? Like uh, maybe gossip is a big component of this, or like what what has your experience been with gossip or drama um, between the two generations? Um. It's kind of interesting to see that uh, link, that Facebook uh, post of uh, that you that you and Sarah shared. I think about which one? Uh, that link, that post about um, like conflict avoidance. Oh like yeah, yeah, on yeah. The different quadrant. I forgot the title of that one. Yeah, it was like two. It was like a quadrant picture where there was personal confrontation, and then or there was like confrontation and non-confrontational, and then there was. The other axis was uh, emotional yeah. expression and non-emotional expression. Yeah. Anyways, I thought I was, I was thinking that was kind of interesting. You can cut that out, but <laughs> well, I think, well, no, I, think I think that's a, that's actually relevant because I think passive aggressive, <laughs> <laughs> like that's something that's that's like in from that from that picture. You see, emotions are very expressive, but they're also non-confrontational, and that leads to a lot of, like maybe passive-aggressive behavior, and that that can lead to some cultural drama and gossip. Yeah, because well, there's no confrontation. It, yeah, I mean, definitely, there's gonna be drama in every church, whether it's Filipino. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, they're shouting! Yeah, they agree with you. That there's gonna be drama in every church. <laughs> um, okay, so let's uh, restart. Uh, drama, um, like, are you talking about like drama between the first and second generation? Yeah. Have you seen instances of gossip affecting that or drama, or how? Or do you think that that's a thing? Yeah, I wanted to highlight uh, that. Yeah, I think. Well. It, for me, it seems more like the second gen is caught in between drama that's happened that that has like long roots, you know, that's happened like that's there for a long time. I it seems I mean it's kind of related to uh, the f- factionalism inside of the church. Like there's different cliques and different groups, and at least from experience, that's what I've seen. Right, like at our church, is there's different groups that. Uh, I've had some conflict in the past and, you know, um, it seems like the kids, as they're growing up, they're just kind of caught in between those. Mm, yeah, yeah. So, like you're saying, like the parents have uh, drama or gossip. Yeah, because they're uh, conflict avoidance and so... Yeah. It's more like a passive-aggressive thing. They talk behind people's backs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think... Oh, you're going to say something? Well, I was just thinking, like, I think with the second gen, they're more open to talking about that stuff and at least resolving it. Yeah. Yeah, I think what I I think what I was talking about when I brought this topic up was um, just as an example, um, something that happened in our church was um, there was like a there was like a prayer meeting and the adults wanted the youth or the younger generation to join the prayer meeting. Mm-hmm. And um, I think there was like we heard some gossip, or like we heard some, um, we heard some, we heard through the grapevine basically that the adults were kind of criticizing us or judging us for not joining them in the prayer meeting. And I think like um, because of that gossip and that drama, I think that's why I think that turned off a lot of. Um, my friends, and the reason why I can say this, by the way, is because I think it's 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 done. Like it's water under the bridge. It's it's uh, resolved now. But I remember that time, that instance where like uh, gossip was really hurtful, and even to me. Um, like like I wasn't uh, I wasn't the one involved um, directly, but I still felt hurt that the adults would say stuff like that about us to each mm-hmm. other. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, that seems to be a recurring problem in Filipinos in general. Chismis. <laughs> yeah. And I think we should talk about that in another episode. <laughs> yeah. Like, I agree. How can we grow from chismis and why does <laughs> it happen and stuff like that? Yeah. Don't don't let the titas hang out. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Separate. <laughs> Separate them at all costs. <laughs> just kidding. Yeah. Okay, so I think uh, not, the next question I can think of is, um, yeah, do you have any ideas on what the first generation can do to help the second generation stay? So we we talked about why does the second generation leave, mm-hmm. and what. I want to look at more solutions now. Like I think you kind of highlighted some of that. So, what else can you say about what what can the first generation do to help the second generation to stay? Um, I think for one is to actually have more second gen leadership oh, okay. that would probably affect how. Uh, uh, how the first and second generation are together at church. Um, you know, have them more in leadership, but at the same time, like, don't look down on them as if they're still, like, teenagers. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, that's probably one. And have more dialogue, like open dialogue, which is probably hard. Um, but yeah, I think just opening up that opportunity and that dialogue to be able to communicate better and talk and every church is different every situation is different but i think it has to kind of start there you can't really decide for the second generation because i mean they can right but at, at some point when they're old enough the first gen can't really decide for the second gen um I mean, they can make decisions, but it might not be the best decisions. And I think having a second-gen leader there would um, help in um, bringing up some of the blind spots that first-gen might have. And in the Mm. same way, like, you know, these second-gen leaders can learn from first-generation because second-generations, they also have their blind spot. Right. Yeah, yeah. And you kind of highlighted that too of of like why there's overseers and it's not to offend you, but it's just to help you. Yeah. So I think that's probably like a good start. Um, if there's enough second generation leaders, then at least you know you they would have a voice. Um, mm-hmm. And then the other thing is like. Um. um Maybe like some. Yeah, I I would probably just start there. Yeah, yeah. So you mentioned two big ones as a uh, more second gen leadership and more dialogue. I think. Yeah. Yeah, I I totally agree. I think the uh, the first one. Um, I can also speak from experience for that one is. Um, I think there's there should be more second gen leadership. Mm-hmm. Because uh, what, ha- what the tendency that happens is, um, at least in my case, was like they can put one second gen leader in a group, like say in like in Baptist churches we have committees, and if you have a committee of mainly first gen and then one second gen person there, the uh, because of the power structure, the authority, the uh, the first generation is just going to overpower the second gen's um, desires. Like the second gen may want to do something like to do it one way but then the first generation will overpower and say oh we should do it this way and then yeah basically the second gen doesn't have a voice but if the if it the committee was like split with second gen and first gen then they have to reconcile that more mm-hmm. and try to find compromise yeah yeah um, and that, that that happened to me a lot of times like they won't they would put me in a committee and it's not that they were trying to overpower me but a lot of the decisions had to go with the majority. So um, I would voice my disagreement, but then they would say, uh, they would hear me out why I disagreed. And so th- like I give them credit for that, but eventually we had, we ended up going, we would always end up going with what they wanted to do because they're in the majority. So yeah. yeah, I just wanted to add on to that. And then the second one dialogue, uh, 
I think that's really key. Like, and, and this kind of related is we need a second gen leader who can kind of bridge the gap between the first generation and the second generation. Like, and all, yeah, I guess, yeah, just so that they would understand each other better, we need someone who can be the bridge to the gap or at least encourage dialogue between the two generations. And I think, um, yeah, that, yeah, the dialogue. I was going to say something I forgot. Well, I, I did want to add. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so I, d- I mentioned including second-generation uh, leadership. But I also, I've seen, like from our church, for example, that we did have like second-gen leadership, but it's always kind of like the lowest on the totem pole, you know. It's like they would add, kind of like you said, but they don't really have any voice. Hmm. In the sense that they can't really affect change. I think, uh, um, uh, first of all, uh, um, yeah, there sh- there should be at least if they're gonna work together, if they're gonna if they're gonna have a church where first and generation first and second can coexist, then um, there has to be uh, like like you said, like equal leadership or at least like a more influential type of leadership from the second gen. Right. The other thing that I wanted to add is like, there should be a plan oh, on yeah, how yeah, to yeah. like, how to coexist or how to incorporate, uh, whether you're gonna have that, or you, whether you're gonna have like one church together or whether you're gonna have that two family, one household uh, model, or you're gonna have like a plant, a second generation church model. The important thing is to have the dialogue and to plan because if you don't then it's always going to end up like the same way yeah yeah that's really that's a good point yeah they really need to have a a laid out plan otherwise they're just going to be uh reactive rather than proactive if if they don't have the vision if they don't have a vision of what it would look like for our second generation to grow up at our church well, the vision that's going to happen is they're going to leave. That's <laughs> just how it is, you know, but yeah, if by they design. have a vision, yeah, but if they don't, if they don't think ahead of time, like, okay, so what are we going to do um, so that our second generation won't leave? But the problem is like most of the solutions they come up with is like, let's hire a youth pastor mm-hmm. so then they won't leave, right? Yeah. But maybe, uh, I, maybe I also don't tr- want to just give them the fault because, uh, you know, um, it may be also like a lack of um, resources and knowledge hmm. um, that the second generation is, they're not just Filipinos, they're like an entirely different culture. Yeah. You know, so if you, if, if people know that, then... I think uh, they're more ready, at least, or at least uh, they are more uh, accepting of having a plan that mm. they could um, that they could reach together. Yeah, yeah, that's another good point. Having a plan. Yeah, I think like you sent me a link before of how the 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 two families one church model. Yeah, like. One thing that I remember from that story, that link that you sent me is the leadership had a vision 10 years prior to that actually happening. They had a vision of both coexisting. Hmm. You know, so I think just like, you know, that uh, saying in the Bible, without a vision, the people perish. Yeah. They're just reacting. Right, right. Yeah, they need to be more proactive and come up yeah. with a. Because I think that I think this issue, this first gen, second gen, it's a, such a big issue, but it goes, it flies under the radar. It's not something that's on their radar, and that's why the second generation always leaves because they don't have, uh, because there's a problem that flies under the radar. They're not prepared for when they become college age or, yeah. 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 I mean, it's not it's not under the radar in the sense that people, Asian American churches are talking about it, right? Like the silent exodus of uh, 
second gen Asian Americans from churches. You see that. Well, and there's some you, talk about that. Oh yeah, yeah. But I think in I I don't know if I can say this in general, but I think in my church, um, they don't it flies under the radar, like the second gen. Mm. Um and also I think it's because it's a small church, so they already have a lot of things to take care of. Um, yeah. So I, that's why I say it flies under the radar because it, it it just happens and they they're just more reactive. Um, but what you were saying is, uh, it is something that most churches are aware of. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I'm just saying that um, there is talk about it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There is talk about it. Yeah, yeah. But I think I would say that the Filipino churches they only start talking about it after the fact, like. Mm. When when it's already happened, that people have left. Um, like in our case, my church was only more aware of it when um, our generation left, and then they were thinking more. Uh, it was more on the radar. But even then, mm-hmm. like our church was so is still small, so there was little plan to. Well, I wouldn't say little plan, but at least from my perspective, it didn't seem like there was much of a set vision or plan on how the second and first generation are going to be in the same church. Mm. Uh, this might this might be a little bit related, but maybe not completely. I also think that Filipino churches in general don't really gather together to like talk about um, at least like issues like this. Mm. Uh, like the Filipino church as a as a whole, like you know, in the state of Maryland, for example, or like in this DMV area where you're at, yeah. I don't know if they gather together to kind of uh, talk about some of the issues that they're all going through. Yeah, you know. So perhaps if they did talk about it, then they could come up with better solutions. Yeah, definitely. Um, they need to compare compare notes and share experiences yeah it's just something that doesn't really happen a lot in our churches i think Mm, yeah yeah and that's why uh one of the reasons why we have this podcast right (laughs) because we want it's a good start yeah we want to kind of start that conversation i I know other people have started it too um, but we kind of want to perpetuate or continue that conversation and get this more on the radar for um, for our Filipino American churches. Um, okay, so I think that's a good time. It's Amen. a good time to close. Um, do you have any last minute thoughts or things? I'm good. No? Okay, so yeah, now that we've identified some reasons, some possible solutions, uh, what's next? Um, well, we plan to talk about these in uh, future episodes. So please follow our podcast if you want to hear more content like this. And uh, subscribe, rate it five stars if that's if that's yeah. possible on your platform. <laughs> and um, yeah, if you have anything else to add, feel free to email us or comment on our video or wherever you're seeing this. And we would love to dialogue. Peace. Peace.